0: Do you have a graph by any chance, Mike? I have a spreadsheet. Hell yeah.
1: Of course he does. Of course I do.
2: Welcome to In Detail, um, the show that once again takes you behind the scenes of creative business. I am your third favourite host, Warwick. And with me are my second and your second and first favorite hosts in no particular order, Mick and Kate. Hi! Hey guys. No order. Well, rank maybe, us.
0: There is an order. There is an order. Rank <laughs> I think. I think we all know who's number one here. I, th- I think we can, without saying it out loud. I think, I think we do. Know. I, think,
2: I think we can move on. Um, what are we so talking about today, work. Uh, before I get into that, uh, I think just as a, if you are a first-time listener. Um, <laughs> you know, just, I'm just saying, go back to the beginning and find out about what you've been missing on. But just as a very brief recap, we all run our own architecture studios, Kate's in Perth, Mix in Ballarat, I'm in Melbourne, around Australia. And we are here talking, opening up with each other and with you about our experiences in running our own businesses. And importantly, um, sharing the stuff that we would have loved to know when we were kids. Um, starting our own businesses uh, around a decade ago, give or take a a few years.
0: Um, In a a manner in which some people have called, with my air quotes on, brave.
1: (laughs) Super brave, I believe the full phrase was.
0: Well, um, I hope... that's the euphemism for fucking dumb.
1: Yeah, dumb as dog shit. You guys are dumb.
2: (laughs) I I hope um, this, uh, this colleague and friend of mine who... Uh, use that adjective we will also appreciate it when we share that he has and I say this with a great deal of pride compared us or said that we are in detail is basically the love child of a, a, a design and business podcast and my father wrote a porno Mixed which the, the, I'm super it. pleased about I love yeah. it covering I think that's both high faces. praise,
1: high yeah. praise. Yeah.
2: When we publish this to some sort of <laughs> it's exactly vinyl right. record, that is the quote that's going to be on the back of it. <laughs> yeah, that's in the show. Thank you, good sir. <laughs> yep. thank you, good sir. Um, so, we are here talking about business. We are supported generously by our friends at Streamtime and Architeam, um, and today we are Um, Getting towards the end of Season 2, we've got this episode and one more next week. And today we're talking about, um, I think the official title is The Mundane, The Creative, The Sensitive and The Strategic, Mm -hmm. which probably doesn't make sense to anybody, but we're talking about growth and um, when is the right time and how do you go about bringing on admin support
0: for a small business looking to take the next step? Do you think we should talk about that transition between when it's just you to your first hire and then Ooh, I like that. into, because usually I think most people's first hire from being sole trader, sole practitioner in the business to, oh, shit, I've got too much work, I can't do all this myself, will mm. be to get somebody on at either the same level. Actually, no, some people would go straight to a, a junior to bring them in as mm. a a student. Um, and then you did that, Warren, didn't you? Didn't you and Erica have a student as your first hire? Yes, we did. Um, so I did think it's a good idea.
2: Let's let's talk about it. Let's let's start at that point, the the first hire. And then and I because I think that's probably the beginning of your first phase of growth. And then Needing to support the business side of things uh, is probably the next phase of growth because it takes a whole other level of thinking uh, that when none of us are trained to do, of course, because we know what architecture is through our education and through our work experience and starting to you know run projects ourselves. Yeah. But then knowing what sort of support you need at that next level is a, kind of a massive sort of gamble. Um, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about our first hires. Um, it was yours, Kate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I had two graduates pretty much straight off the bat, which was foolish.
2: <laughs> okay. So are we, talking, are we talking zero experience or are we talking- No.
1: Um, one of them had significant experience and had worked pretty much the entire way through university and was a Revit Lord. And the other one had no experience whatsoever. Now you're um, speaking
2: about this in the past tense. Yep. Yeah. They're not dead, are they? <laughs>
1: <They're not dead. laughs> well, Nikita, who is with us now, um, had zero experience and basically just asked me, "Could I mentor her?" And then, could she do her internship with Whispering Smith? And at the time, I sort of said no, but then she was so cute. <laughs> I was like, "Of course, I'll mentor you, the awesome creature!" And then, and like, I just couldn't. She started just—you couldn't say no, <laughs> insinuating herself into the business to the point where I just could not fathom the thought of not having her in the firm with me every day and so I was like you've damn it (laughs) two graduates it is uh and uh so she
2: was your second so she was was the the second it was an
1: accidental thing and she just you know literally just kind of employed herself I couldn't you know
0: so no. Any, so why do you call you know, that foolish grads listening here? That's the <laughs> way to get a job, is you just keep on turning up and
1: and doing stuff and being make yourself
0: s- indispensable. Yep.
1: Also, yeah, we've got this thing about um Nikita and I have spoken at length about this, that the the key thing we look for is someone with self-employed parents because they make you do ridiculous jobs for your entire life. Like, you know, can you go over to this person's house and pick up a trailer load of bricks, for example? <laughs> Um shit, that is you're so like, good. Yeah, and literally like I could get Nikita I could ask Nikita to go down and pick up my dry cleaning and she would not even batter an eyelid. It was just just as a off the bat first hire with no skills. There was something else about Nikita that made her the most valuable thing ever. And it's that. And we look for that now. In um, you know, that yeah, whatever you need, I'll get it, I'll get it done. Self employed parents
2: did that. that Self
1: employed is- parents. Yeah.
2: Mick, uh, wait a second, were either of you self-employed, had self-employed parents?
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: (laughs) me too. Yeah, my my mum ran a uh, special education practice and when you said pick up a trailer load of bricks, I once had to pick up a trailer load of sand and it just brought me straight back. <laughs> it, had, it had come, seriously. Of, it had come out of a nightclub, and walking past, has gone. You know what? That's going to be perfect for that set. Wait a minute!
1: Oh, you mind. had a sand pit. You, you had together. sand
2: from a nightclub. I, oh I'm, man! I'm trying it to imagine burned. all the horrible ways that sand could be used at a oh, nightclub. No, no, you. Yeah. You
1: don't even want to think about it. But seriously, though, there are, you have been asked at some point if you are a self-employed kid. Your parent sorry. A kid, oh. with self-employed parents, to do the most ridiculous shit for reasons that you cannot fathom. Yep. And you just go. This is this is life. Life is work, and <laughs> <laughs> <Nobody> work <laughs> and work is, and work is pointless. <laughs> That's what I get out of it. But you just you know you're so used to it, and you're so chill about it that you've just got a completely lax um, and good attitude to to it. Whereas a lot of students I think come out of architecture school thinking that they're Zoomfer and oh, yeah. you can't work with that. Deal. So, you know, you need the, uh, this is why the, the kids of this world are the dream run. Sorry, so, you cut out
0: a little bit on that with the Zoom call, Kate. Okay? Can you go back uh, one sec?
1: Um, you can't work with the Zoom for dickheads. They're very difficult to manage. Uh, but the Zoom you, for
2: dickheads. But if <laughs> you <a> can, tribe.
1: <laughs> um, but you can if you have a Nikita of this world, a self-employed, you know, parent, kid, um, you know, they they're, they they she's become the cornerstone about practice. And so, yes, it was foolish, and yes, it cost me a lot of money. And we spent the entire time, you know, training and and having trying to help two grads upskill. But I don't regret it at all. No regrets. Ooh. No regrets.
0: Um, I'm listening our, to another podcast. That what right now? Yeah, right now. Uh, <laughs> While we talk, i uh, multitask. Um, it's called the. <laughs> you guys listen to the Archivist podcast. It's a. No. It's a Melbourne archie grad. I
1: don't listen to any other podcasts except for this one. Just. <laughs> honestly.
0: What was it that, that L McPherson once said? I don't read
2: read any book that I haven't written myself. Yes.
1: <laughs> Thank you, El. You and I are on the same page. I don't know
0: why I remember <laughs> that quote, but uh, it obviously left an impact.
1: Two peas in a pod. Me and l McPherson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> listen to this podcast if you want to get a. Sort of, uh, it's like we're lifting the veil on uh, running a practice. The, the, uh, this this other podcast, the Arcanist one, is lifting the veil on being uh, like a young grad and the. Ah. And it's really interesting. Um, and she was talking about getting your first job. And when you said the Zoomthor grad before, she's talking about, yeah, you've got to put yourself in the mindset of what you can do for the practice. Yeah and how you serve that rather than what you can do for architecture.
1: I was also that Zumtha dickhead, even though I was. <laughs> I just want to be clear. I think everyone has it. An, and I feel if, if Zumtha ever listens to this podcast, by the way, Peter, your work, oh, is so good. Good. <laughs> your work is so good that everyone wants to be you.
2: That's actually a compliment. I've heard some fantastic stories about Peter Zumthor that I'll have to t- talk to you about off air. Oh, my God. Blow your socks off. Awesome.
1: Yeah. yeah. let's. That's an expose. I like
2: it. Um, Where the hell were we? We were talking about first hires and yeah. our first hire, Eric and I are toe-dippers. I think we've realised over the years that when we're, we're methodical thinkers, we like to think stuff through and when we're trying out new things, we're not like just diving at the deep end. I think that's not kind of in our characters. And so our first couple of hires, actually, the first one would have been, well, I'm going to say, around year three or two to year two or three um, of running the business um, was a student who was like right at the end of his studies, Jake. And um, this is when the studio was in our spare bedroom. And so he would like, <laughs> and we had a newborn child and he would um, rock up each morning at nine o'clock, knock on the door. And like, I would stagger to the door after another sleepless night of crying baby <laughs> and and he basically learned through um, that experience that he, he kept on saying at the time, I'm just going to adopt an eight-year-old because this is just, mm-hmm. this is stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, in, anyway, so he started part-time. And so the toe-dipping was is that we went junior because we had no idea how to delegate. We had no idea how to kind of keep someone busy or how to like entrust tasks to other people because we neither of us had really worked in large enough studios where we had ever sort of gotten to the point where we had people underneath us we were we there was always a flat hierarchy in mm. the other studios that we had worked in um and so going young was good because it allowed us to like test out how to be bosses at the same time as he was learning how to be an employee um, and he was only part-time to begin with and then sort of became, um, I don't think he ever actually got to full-time because he had a few side got, side gigs on on at the same time, other little projects for family and things. But then our second hire was the same. Like A couple of years later, she came on board, um, Eliza, and um, started off part-time and then ended up moving to full-time. And both of them got to the point of registering as architects um, while mm-hmm. working with us and then went
0: overseas. Oh, that's great.
1: Yeah. yeah. What about and, you
2: mate?
0: And sought their, their fortunes in other practices and and continued to grow as architects.
2: Uh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So we um we our first sort of a few hires were um, documenters who came in just sort of on contracts to um talk to, 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 to basically give us some assistance as we had specific projects that needed to go out. And, um, and so we put people on for a, a short amount of time and then, um, eventually, uh, they a the couple stayed, a couple left, um, being regional, uh, and working with the younger grads, we've always had this sort of theory in the office that, um, you should come and work here, uh, for as long as you like. And we really, we, we we always have really good experiences with our, our younger staff, but we also encourage them to go off and go to Capital City and to work in a larger firm because I think sometimes you should have um, have those multiple experiences as an architect and you shouldn't just say, okay, well, well I came in as a first-year graduate architect to Maloney Architects and stayed in Ballarat and worked the entire time in that studio. Um, we kind of encourage people to to spread their wings a bit. And then if they want to come back later on, that's great. Um, and has
2: that happened where someone's left and come back?
0: Uh, no, they always leave.
2: And they never call. Fly the coop. I am conflicted um, about what we have generally encountered when we employ people fresh out of uni, and that is that they do what we did, and that is at the three-year mark, they go overseas. Mm. <coughs> Get registered. Um, can call yourself an architect. It's such an important like sort of capstone on your sort of studies to like kind of get to that point and then spread wings. And we, you know, Eric and I went to Italy and um, and then came back and started our own practice. And so I'm conflicted because I fully support it. It's exactly what we did. And I think it's a great way to grow as a person and to sort of find yourself. But it's also like, oh, man, it was just like just getting really good. It's getting and good. And then they're out of there. Um, yep. And so... Uh, yeah, I think yeah, the we sort of that too. the holy grail is someone who sticks around for a long time, but of course, you know, you can't force that, or it's just you know an encouragement. And if we, someone wants to do that, they can.
1: One of our so one of our first hires, Anna, who came in and 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 pretty much brought Revit brought Revit into the office, um, and which was an incredible feat. Um, and one of the things that we, I mean, so Anna is now working with another bigger firm. Um, She, you know, came from a big firm, smaller firm, big firm. Um, But one of the things we, I think that was interesting for us to work out is by continually checking in with the team as they're going about their goals and um, where they want to be and how they're feeling about things and what kind of tasks that they want to tackle. I originally was of the thought that we would want Whispering Smithers for life, but now having gone through that process with Anne and seeing her be perfect at that time and then move somewhere else. And that was a fully, you know, constructed thing, the way we kept checking in, making sure, um, that it was the right move. And I think that that was actually a really good lesson that you can actually, that you can be a stepping stone for someone in their career and as a practice and that that's okay too.
2: Yeah. Look, it totally is. And I mean, one of the things I always admired about my old, um, not just past tense, but continue to admire about my old boss, Ian, was is that I always had the impression, right or wrong, that he enjoyed it when people would work with him for a number of years and then go out on their own Mm. um, as a way of like sort of passing it on to future generations. Yeah. There is, however, and I guess this is a question back to you, Kate, about that experience with, um, sorry, was it Anna? Anna. Anna, yeah. Um, What about the sort of the other part of churn, which is, you know, when employees come and go, and that is is that for the first period, and it could be a week or a month, and it's yep. usually a number of months. And then really I think people really start hitting their stride after a year, mm. you've now invested in that person for a year. And if they if they were to choose to leave at that one year point, you've basically kind of lost out on that exchange.
1: I would say that it is more of a mutual thing than that. I mean, if that person, I mean, in our situation, I think we're constantly checking in and going, okay, well, is this the right thing? Is this, and I think when you're a young grad, it's especially important because you just don't know you don't know enough about yourself when you finish university to actually know where you, you fit, you know, yep. or what your personality type is and whether you're good for a big team or a small team, or should you be doing more doco or more design or, or, or are you going to turn into a practice manager because you're actually really good at business and those things age. And so I think, um, part of being a part of hiring young people, um, and having them invest their incredible energy and time and, you know, um what's the word, you know, I think it is energy actually. Young people have that. And it, it, it's sort of like a rite of passage that you help them work out where they're going to go. Yeah. And if that's not with you, then you win by, you know, helping them on their way to somewhere else. Agreed. Yes. You know, they may hit their straps with you, but I feel like if they've hit their straps and they're going and firing on all 10 cylinders, they probably wouldn't want to leave and go somewhere else. So there's always some yeah, that's true. You know?
0: Your the reason positivity, that's happening. I can see Ted Lasso uh, <laughs> in the positivity.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: such a good show.
1: It's such a good show.
0: The other but, thing you, you you kind of forget when you turn old is that when you're <laughs> 23 or 24, a year is still a freaking eternity. Oh, it's an eternity. And that that sort of first year, especially that big first year of actually being at work, is you know so much going on. Um, Whereas Mm, that's true, and 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 especially if your employer is looking at that year as, look, this is basically to train you up from being a liability to somebody who can actually do some good work for us. Mm. um, It's um, yeah, it's 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 pretty hard. I think there's there's a real differential between the expectations of the employee and the employer about you know, what you're going to do after that 12-month period. And uh, I think for a lot of young people, they'd be looking like, and, and I was the same, I'd be like, okay, cool. I'm going to be in this job for 12 months and then I'll do something else and, uh, you know, change. I think I changed job three times in, in my first three years as a as a grad.
2: Architecture is such a slow game though that I reckon like you don't, you can't even see a full project through if you're sort of cycling Mm. that rapidly. And I think that's probably also what has kind of led to this three-year mark for us being, um, I mean, it's not an exclusive thing. It's just something that has um, happened in a a few instances um, because that's sort of the amount of time it takes to sort of get through a
0: a handful of projects from start to finish. Do you tell you? your interviewees that what that you're going to be looking at it as a minimum sort of three-year building up to a useful employee sort of proposition
2: no because i don't i think that you know it it's like any other relationship you start open-minded and it will go where it will go and if the and if the match is right and i mean i like the way you talk kate about how you know if at that time in that person's career, if that's a good match for you, well, that might continue to evolve. And if so, then great. And there should be room in your studio for that growth if they want to stick around. Mm. Um, and also it, it, it's fine, you know, if you end up sort of parting ways, like that's, that's life, right? Mm. Um, and, but I think that we, because a small business is, such, is so much like a family, you want people to stick around, Um, And we have great relationships with, you know, the vast majority of all of the people who've worked with us in the past and and excellent, like really excellent relationships with a few to the point that if they ever decide to come back, we would welcome them with open arms. Mm. Um, And so I think, yeah, we do start with the hope. It's not an expectation, but it's a hope that it will be a long-term relationship.
1: Yeah. I think we're probably the same as well. Yeah,
2: yeah. We ain't, we ain't about no one-night stands.
0: <laughs> Architect one-night stand. Title yeah. of the podcast. <laughs> Title of your other, your other sex tape. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get on to um, we've all had our first hires and now our businesses are ticking along a bit more. We've got, uh, say, three or four people um, in, in addition to the directors. At what stage do we need to start thinking about a non-architectural hire?
1: Mm. Studio manager, you mean, specifically? Or admin support?
0: Yeah. So mm. I'll, I'll share my sort of journey with that first if you don't. Um, please. Jump. Please do. Um, so over the years, we've developed a really great relationship with our account and we Started working with um, Kim and Dennis back when Dennis owned the company, and then Kim became a director, and she's now our sort of number one person that we deal with all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the years, we've sort of uh, you know some we we used to collect our all of our receipts, for example, and then we'd we'd categorise them in a big L- spr- Excel spreadsheet, Warwick style, and um, then uh, <laughs> and then send them off to the to to Kim to do the 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 bass and that sort of thing, um, and then eventually she just said, "Look, you know what you'd really need is a is a bookkeeper to um, do this work for you because you know you're you're not really doing it very well, and um, you can <laughs> there are more efficient ways of doing this other than the day before I ask, um, and uh, why don't we get you sorted out with that? And then it, she's been this sort of rock that we can. You know, she she does this with other businesses, and she can she understands where what we need, um, and she's put us in touch with other people who provided um, support from a well. We've got an accountant, we've got financial uh, planning, we've got um, finance people, we've got insurance people, we've got bookkeeping, we've got all of these different services that sort of come in on a. Um, uh, on, a, on a sort of a contract basis or um, outside of Maloney Architects and provide that support. And really, in the, I, I, we realised after a while that these people kind of all put together are doing a, a lot of the um, job of a practice manager, um, which in our case works really well. But we're at the point now where we're starting to think about there are lots of other things that, that still need to be done um, and Warwick, you'll talk about that with your mundane creative and sensitive and strategic categories. Yeah. Um, but um, I think for a, for a small to slightly less than small, you know, a, a small business that's growing, like ours uh, has over the last sort of 10 or 15 years, um, the line between needing people um, and saying, okay, well, it's the director – uh, a couple of students, a documenter, and you know that's our architectural staff. And then the line between that and saying, okay, we'll put on a studio manager, doesn't have to be on and off, or doesn't have to be this this one hire mm. kind of graduate slowly into that uh, into that sort of size. Was that your experience, Kate, or did you? What are you thinking?
1: A bit the same. Um, we've started farming off little bits and pieces. Firstly, the first one to go was um, bookkeeping, definitely. Uh, But I still do quite a bit of that stuff myself from a strategic point of view, I guess. Um, And I I guess we've got like maybe what I would call base bookkeeping services. And we do, I do most of that myself. Um, We've recently... Um, taken on one of our clients, actually. There's one of our heroes is <laughs> now yeah. working at Whispering nice. Smith, helping us with our admin. So, again, just couldn't let her go. Came into the circle, couldn't let her go. So she's
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> one of our clients over. became a financial planner. It's great. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's proof that you can have terrific relationships. Um, yeah, and so that that has been amazing. So that that's um, now taking over the info at Whispering Smith email account and i mean nikita actually was running the info at whispering smith and running inquiries and things for a long time as well so we had a grad who was like you know again chill enough to take on all different kinds of roles in the practice and sort of almost started being a bit of a studio manager there for a little while but we are now looking at the next step which i guess is probably leading into more where was got to um
0: you're a few years ahead was
1: yeah tell us tell us oh, wise your journey. one <laughs>
0: In detail is generously supported by our friends at Streamtime, business management software for creatives kate and warwick you belong to this cult uh, of stream timers uh, tell us what it's like well um other than the
2: ritualistic sacrifices which are super fun can i say <laughs> um for data nerds like me um i dig it i dig the fact that i can see it all i can see how long we've spent on any part of the projects and i can compare it in so many different ways um so i do like a regular deep dive not during work hours of course on my during my time off because fun time I, I do it for fun yeah
1: Uh, And I am the opposite of a data nerd and I love it because it means I don't have to put things into spreadsheets and I can put them into fun little boxes that dangle around because it has an epically beautiful user-friendly interface.
0: Thanks, Streamtime.
1: Thanks, Streamtime.
2: I was just thinking then as you guys were chatting, there's, there's, there's there's a step between that first step when you first employ someone and then this next step of when you kind of employ um, someone outside of architecture to help with the business side of things. And I don't know about you guys, but we had to learn how to be bosses. No um, one ever taught us how to do it. And mm. I remember um, in the very early days when a, Erica was on maternity leave after, um, you know, the birth of our kids and um it was me and Jake basically and Erica sort of and I doing stuff in the evenings and, and when we could, but basically on the ground it was me and Jake. And I remember feeling that one of the challenges when you first start having an employee is you've got to keep them busy and you you don't know how to do it. Like it mm. feels like you've got to come up with enough tasks now for two people to do each day mm. and that was its own kind of um, stress and it took a, a while to for that to flip where rather than it being like a burden to have to kind of keep someone busy, it's an opportunity to keep somebody busy and, in fact, they can take work away from you and it relies on you kind of getting better at delegating, um, better at leading and better at understanding what process you want to see happen so that you can communicate that effectively to other people and they can then, like, tie into that. So I reckon that was a big part of it in terms of taking the second step was getting good enough at that first step that we knew how to employ architects mm-hmm. um and graduates and students and and all that sort of stuff. Um, and from a so, for, so to answer your question, from a timing perspective, we started looking, started realising that we might need some assistance, probably at about the seven or eight year mark. And administrative assistance, yeah. um, and Leanne, who's our studio manager now. She started in um, Feb 2018, and so we were um, uh, officially we we kicked off in 2010, but um, really the, the business didn't get going until the start of 2011. So what's that? That's seven years. Um
1: yeah. I think we're ex- yeah, we are almost ex- we are two years behind you. I think we are. I was at 2012. That point now. Yeah, at that point now.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm going to try.
0: And for context there, I'm was 2007 and we're not there yet. So it's it's horses for courses and I think that's about your business trajectory. Um, You know, I think a lot of people will never necessarily grow to a point where they'll need, uh, Mm. you know, a a studio manager. And that's fine too.
2: Yeah. it's, It's super tied into growth. And I think, I mean, we're as guilty as anyone of growing without a plan. And I think that's something so hard
1: to believe that cannot be true.
2: (laughs) 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 We have a plan now. (laughs) We have a plan now, but we didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, for reals, we we had a plan. We have a plan now, but we didn't at the beginning, and we worked out how to have a plan as we went along. Um, And I mean, we hired originally and for a long time reactively. Yeah. Yep. Um, As opposed to proactively, which is quite a hard thing to do, like to actually go, I can foresee, I actually don't have the business yet, but I can foresee that in the next three to six months, I will have this business. Mm. And so I need to have someone in place by that point. And so I'm going to hire now for it and take the punt that we're going to be busy enough to keep them, you know, gainfully employed at the six month mark. That's like quite, you know, brave I reckon and we're probably not even quite there yet at that point like we've never we're we're still sort of somewhere in the middle I think but we do have a plan of what we need in our organizational structure so we know the kind of people we want to hire but just not we're still somewhat reacting to workload Hmm. so I have heard it talked about by a lot of business coaches and things that employing reactively is not the way to do it
0: yeah, but at the same time, if you write checks that your ass can't cash, and you say I'm going to employ ten people because I assume that I will be swimming in ten million dollar projects next year, uh, if you do that, and it's not just you know some disappointed conversations you're going to have to have with people when you let them go, but you know it's people, other people's lives you're fucking around with. So oh, totally. I are, think these are grown up decisions. They,
2: they are. I think it's probably not so much about I'm going to go and whack on ten people right now, but you know, for instance, if if at the size we are now of nine people, if we were to go and add one extra person, there's enough sort of flex in the project load. And I think that's the other thing that we've realised. It's taken us a while to realise over time um, that our um, when you have a team around you, it's not they can do more work more quickly and so it's not just a matter of do i have the work it's about do i have the work this month and if i don't mm. well maybe i can just do work that i was planning on doing next month this month because now i've got that extra person to do that you know that bit of project yeah. so it's it becomes more about pace and cash flow than it does like just the, the bottom line like it's not just yeah. the, the total transaction it's about you know the the flow of, of how you're working Yeah. Um. So anyway, uh, end of 2017, we're starting to think, things were starting to get difficult and, and they were getting difficult in a very specific way for us. Um, up until that point, I had been doing the majority of just like sort of the nuts and bolts business admin. So I was doing the invoicing and um, accounting and, and basses even back then and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it was getting to the point, the thing that first triggered an awareness that something wasn't quite working right was when the August invoices, for argument's sake, which were supposed to, you know, ideally go out on the 1st of September, were going out on the 25th of September.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Because yeah. I just couldn't get a, like, you know, a project cycle. At get the time. You, don't, you know, it's impossible. And yeah. a project cycle doesn't obey a neat monthly thing. So I'd have deadlines in the beginning of that September month And I'd be working on those and then, oh, my God, two weeks have gone past and I still haven't gotten to the invoicing. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And then we would... We all hate doing it. Like, no one sits there going, oh, sweet, invoicing the time. It's going to be great fun. I love invoicing. (laughs) We all, except for Warwick, we all hate it.
1: I've learned to love it as well. Yeah. I rack them all up at the start of the month and then look at them in all their glory.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Put them up on the wall, paste them up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so that was basically telling us that there was too much work or that not just too much work but also the types of work that I was doing were yeah. incompatible um, that the admin stuff and the project stuff was starting to grate on each other yep. and so and
1: maybe that balls were being dropped is that yes do you think that that that's
2: yeah well it's not appropriate for August invoices to go out on the 25th of September
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's and like the- that's Yes, in, okay. in the show notes it says that um when under the what's the problem you've got the director is the bottleneck and i think that becomes a really yeah. huge issue in there that if you're the sole person who's responsible for invoicing or that you know you'll get around to it when you get around to it but i've just got to get all this other stuff done uh, and no one else is taking that responsibility then it'll get delayed it'll end up going out on the 25th and it, you're right it's unacceptable and it, and it it sends a weird message to your clients that some months you'll get a bill and some months you won't. Um, and they'll come at all sorts of odd times and yeah. <laughs> I'm, getting an, I'm getting an August invoice, but it's almost October. Yeah, send it at send it, no, uh, three o'clock in the morning because I yeah.
1: just... Yeah. Yep. Can't um, sleep because you got no cash flow.
0: <laughs> that too. Um, and the other thing I think for
2: Eric and I is we we're doing resource management on a Sunday night. Yeah. So we were planning out the weeks and months ahead in mm. the only time we had, which was after dinner on a Sunday evening before the yeah. week. Following, and it was just, you know, it'd be 11 o'clock at night and going, ah, oh,
0: shit, we this is ridiculous. We've got to get to bed. And, you know, so it was just no good. Um, you can't do everything yourself. And I think it takes a long time mm. to work that out because at the start you can, because you know you might have one or two invoices you're sending each month. And you're like, no, I don't need, I don't need you know, an office accountant to do this. I can do this on an Excel spreadsheet, and it's done. But if you've got 11 projects and you need to fill each one a little bit for that month, um, that's a, that's you know that's a lot of time that you need to work out how to do that. Um, yeah, that's if really- Have Tegan, who is our office administrator, who comes in. Uh, sort of part-time um, who does all that and sets up all her own voices and says, oh, you know, these guys are due to be 50% design development complete, you know, where are we at? I wouldn't, I'd, I'd, I would be there saying and doing it five weeks late um, but she mm. comes in and cracks the whip and uh, and gets the bills out and keeps us yeah. afloat. She's a miracle worker and I love her.
1: <laughs> I still do all that stuff for our practice and I love that part of it. Really? Mm. Like the direct, you know, okay, guys, we need to build this, these projects, there's, you know, this is where our focus is, these people away on holidays. Like I I really like that side of it.
0: Yeah. I I suppose what I'm getting at is that if, in a big picture sort of point of view, if there's something in your practice that you aren't very good at or that you don't like doing, Mm. don't worry because there's somebody else out there who that's their calling in life. Yeah. They love it. They really want to come and help you do it.
1: So can we maybe go through how you work through that?
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So the first thing we did was we, um, we asked, should we just get a bookkeeper? Asked ourselves. Mm. And that's never been our style to outsource stuff, I think. Um, we like the idea of keeping it in-house because then there might be an opportunity that person who's now working in-house could do another thing that crops up and that role can grow. Mm. Um, and so... We discarded the idea of doing bookkeeping, and the thing that allowed us to do that is we wrote up a list of the mundane, the creative, the sensitive, and the strategic. And this is Can I ask, did that come from a book, Warwick, or is that your brain? Came from our brains? Wow. Love it. God, um, good. <laughs> Erica and I basically jotted down all the stuff that we thought this person could do and ended up And that was a brainstorming session between the two of us, um, probably a couple of brainstorming sessions. Um, And it's things like, and and, and then we group them into these four categories as a way of being able to understand to us, uh, for ourselves, what they were. So the mundane is things like dealing with office supplies, answering telephones, deliveries, managing our contacts list, um, et cetera. Materials, libraries um yep that's actually that's on there as well um oh trade wait, supplies wait, that, and so on is that in the mundane or the creative well at the time that was in the mundane but actually that's changed in our understanding of what I think that role is now and in fact we've now got an interior designer in our studio who is ta- whose job it is actually when we get back to the studio which is happening next week Oh, yes, um, she'll be taking over the um currently incredibly messy trade literature library um So there was that. There was the creative. So think marketing, um, media kits, awards, um, website updates, um, and project assistance in some way. We didn't really know what that might be, but that was on the list. There was the sensitive. So that's invoicing, expenses, Mm. payroll, superannuation, BASs, group certificates, um, HR, uh, end of financial year. um, uh, Yeah, we actually we didn't even have HR in there at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yep, so all that stuff. And then strategic was about forecasting, scheduling, policies, procedures, strategic planning, new business development. And so we wrote all that down. And some of that stuff was things that wa- weren't really happening, but we wanted to happen, like writing policies. And we've got in brackets against policies OHS. So at the time we were wanting mm-hmm. to start thinking about diversification. And to do that, we needed to have an OHS policy. Mm-hmm. And that just hadn't wasn't getting done, so this was one of the things that we knew we needed to happen. Um, And then we put an estimate per hour, sorry, per week of how many hours each of those tasks would take. And some of them were like grouped together, like to manage office and kitchen supplies and whatever, that's probably only like a couple of hours a month, let's say. But we basically ended up boiling it down and we discovered that off the top of our heads, without even really getting someone in whose expertise was in this area to tell us what we needed, we already had two to two and a half days worth of work for
0: someone. Wow. And, And at that point, you were just doing that work outside of your normal job.
2: Yeah. So at the time we were running, for instance, a co-working studio and that's kind of as we've grown, we've taken over more of our studio so
0: that doesn't happen anymore. That's what we're we're doing
1: at the moment. That's one of our things. Yeah, yeah. It's a thing.
0: Is it time consuming, Kate? We're just thinking about doing it ourselves.
1: Yeah. It's bloody time consuming. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's like oh shit
1: oh, the toilet blocks up every week it's the nightmare
2: <laughs> okay that's got nothing to do with co-working that's got to do with your diet <laughs>
1: uh, uh, fun times yeah. I joke about this with uh, with one of the people who is has retired and is now one of my um, who leases spaces off me who used to be what we call a slumlord and it, it does come with its own set of tasks yep
2: yep so Erica was responsible for all that stuff, um, invoicing for our co-workers and sort of managing and you know meeting new co you know new co-workers and all that sort of gear. So that was something we just carved off. Um, mm. the, uh, actually, our info at email that was something that was starting to really kind of drain Erica's and my time. So responding to people cold call, you know cold emails from prospective employees, um, you know just or, you know just all the kind of. Um, the stuff that gets thrown at the info app email because that's the one on the website that, you know, um, bots can kind of pull off. So that kind of was something we could also um, carve away and and make someone else's responsibility. Um, And so it was stuff that we were doing, stuff that maybe we weren't doing very well or stuff that we we wanted to be doing, but weren't. It was kind of a mixture of all of these things. And I reckon that list would be different for, for every studio um, and I think it would have been different if I had said at the time, no, I love invoicing so much, I want to be yeah. the only person doing that forever. Yeah, We just wouldn't have had it on the list. But for me, I could see that was, I was becoming a, a problematic bottleneck for that particular task. Yeah. So it went on the list. Um, And then we said, right, okay, we've got two to two and a half days worth, let's make it a three-day role because I'm sure we'll find stuff. And it created the role and advertised for it.
0: I, are you happy uh, or are you comfortable? Was talking about the other note that's below that. In terms of, <laughs> let me j- check our notes. <laughs> Just below bottleneck, there was there's this idea of um, a burnout. Yeah, why you might need somebody to help. Yeah, of course. Yeah,
2: I mean that's uh, there's no uh, there's no secret there or anything. I think if you're having to do your resource planning at 11 p.m. on a Sunday night it's you're not doing it well and you're feeling rubbish about it yeah um so you said you said before mick about like every, there's a person in the world who loves to do every single thing that needs to be done
1: mm. so
2: it's a it's a question of finding in your business the right people to do all the things that need to be done mm. and they're not all going to be architects um and i think it actually <laughs> took. it's true uh, we all get taught mm. at university that we can do everything right I reckon it took us like five or six years to beat it out of our brains (laughs) that that's not actually the case. Like in the beginning, we did all of our own IT. We did all of our own marketing. We did all of our own graphics work. We did all of our own admin. We did all of our own accounting. And now we see that actually doing all that stuff takes us away from doing the things we're actually really good at doing. um, And there are people who can do that better, more efficiently. Um, Let's get them to do it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. Mean, do you guys have I, I IT we, people? Uh, no, nah. <laughs> it's still been mind. Ah, there you go. All right.
1: No Graphic I'm designers? Just, I
2: do have it. Yes. A guy, yeah. we've, we've talked bookkeeping already yeah. um, and accounting. Um, I mean, we did uh, all that stuff in the beginning. We've actually we recently
1: work. taken on someone to do our garden maintenance. Wow. Yeah. What, in your office? Well, because we've got a co-working, it's an old warehouse and there's, a, you know, there's um, pots and plants and whatever I else. Say, I've been of... to
2: your office and I don't remember seeing a garden, but it's a pot plant.
1: Yeah we've, yeah, we've juiced it up a little bit since you were there. Um, and even just just it's um, it's actually an organisation called Dismantle that hires disadvantaged youth. And so we're getting them to come around That's and, cool. you know, just blow out all the leaves and, and just generally make it, you um, more present. it only takes two hours a month or something like that and yeah nice right. it's been a game changer, and to even over summertime we would have to water the plants all the time and so even having someone come in regularly to help that process is re- it's just so stupid just just watering the plants but yeah it does actually help
2: well erica is deaf to plants often Um, I hope she'll listen to this eventually and (laughs) kick me in the nuts for saying it probably. But seriously, she has killed so many office plants that it's actually become a bit of a running joke that people get her, usually those people being me, get her office plants that are allegedly unkillable just to see what happens.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's
0: somebody who's got focus on their job. No time to water. That's
1: right, no time to water the plants.
0: Um. It's and honestly
1: the one thing that wakes me up at night.
2: What? I've l- you've points. got a
1: joke with my whole team that like when I'm stressed out about something, it will all be directed at the plants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, has anyone? <laughs> <laughs> what did I have to do with myself. And the team is like, Kate, again, for the millionth time, like literally every time we get a bottle of water, we tip some on the plants. Just calm down. <laughs> It's fine. It could be some other major issue, you know, like financial or whatever else, but that's where my stress goes. We're
0: freaking oh, oh, out so great about yeah. the peace lily. Yeah, <laughs> um, Yeah, because I, I think that's one of these things, and we talk about it a bit on the, on the pod, that of uh, things that stresses in your life as an architect or a designer that can creep up on you. Um, and I think these this is one of the ones to be careful of is that you don't just um, – Make everything your problem in the office. And mm. there's a tendency, and I, and I absolutely agree with you before, White's when you're saying that in architecture school, you're trained to think that you can do everything. You literally have to make your own folio. So you teach yourself how to use Photoshop or InDesign or something. And then you're now, or you know, all about um, perfect for yeah. getting shit out. You know, there's so much stuff, and that has this hangover effect later on that you think I should be doing my own bass. And you should not be doing your own best. I think it's fine in the beginning because Uh, actually (laughs) getting a bit
2: of a... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do appreciate the years where we did try to do maybe not all of that stuff, but some of that stuff because now I feel confident in delegating.
1: I set zero up myself, which I felt... So you did know, I. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like I know so much more about our accounting system and software and whatever because yep. you know people have definitely got in there and tweaked it and made it better. But I, you know, I was always really proud of myself for doing that, and then I think it was good at the time. But yeah, um, I think definitely that you know there are a lot of things. do t- 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 and out. and out. I think for uh, for me, the things that I'm looking to reduce the most when I'm looking at the higher side of things, because if yeah. I'm not in a good mood, stressed out, coming home at night at nine o'clock every night and taking on the slack of the practice, um, I'm going to be a terrible person to work with and a terrible person to hang around. And so it's important for the culture of the practice that, you know, and my team are always looking at me and they know, like, they're like, can we help you do something? The <laughs> plant's been watered. <laughs> and I think that <laughs> that, you, know, that, you know, that's right. And I think that that is, you know, it's really important, firstly, that they recognize that, but also that I recognize if they recognize it, that we're going to do something about it and we have that plan. And I think that, that that's why, when we're talking about being strategic about the hire, that's really important, you know, mm. where to go for the time to be reduced. Yeah, it's,
2: Leanne was probably our first strategic hire because we identified a problem with the business. It wasn't about a project-related role; it was about thinking about something the business really needed to thrive, and then and then creating a space for that role to exist. Mm. Um, it was quite nerve-wracking though because we'd never employed a non-technical, per- like a non-architect person before. Obviously, you know, students and grads and, and whatever all fall underneath that bat- banner. Um, and so, you know, how do you go about knowing what the right person is for that role that you've never, like we had done these tasks, but bundling them up into a single role felt like a really big step for us because um, we needed someone whose entire focus would be this stuff. And what does that, what should that person be?
0: Mm. Yeah. What, what personality
1: person type is or what? Yeah.
0: Is there a service out there of people who can help you hire this person?
2: Yeah, they're called headhunters.
0: Yeah, No, I want somebody to, to, well, does a headhunter sit in the interviews with you or do they just give you a short list of people who are?
2: Yeah, they give you the short list. I mean, we we
0: advertised
2: ours through, um, you know, Broadsheet, the the foodie newspaper? Yeah. yeah. They've got a jobs thing called Scout Jobs. It's like a sister mm. company or something. Um, and that's where we advertise. So we didn't actually advertise through any of the usual architecture channels. Mm. Um, also, because we wanted to get someone without an architecture background.
1: Yeah.
0: And how's uh, it worked out? Really well. It's a really it was, good
1: idea.
2: It was a interesting, um, the interview process was really interesting because um, we. You know, when someone says, I want an architectural graduate with two to three years of experience, you're probably going to get a reasonably narrow bandwidth of people applying for the job. Maybe they might have only one year or maybe they'll have five years, but they're not going to have 20 years and they're not going to be a graphic designer, you know.
1: Mm.
2: When we advertised, we, um, we knew what the tasks were to be and what the role was going to be. We didn't know what sort of person there was to fill it. And so we had everything from someone who really was a, a receptionist, Wanted that was the skill level and the experience level and the sorts of ex, um, things that that person could do, mm-hmm. all the way up to someone who was really much more of a general manager. So, and neither, and like vast differences, like, so that latter person there asking salary was three times the former. Yeah. Okay. Incredible <laughs> variety of kind of people. We yeah. had people from HR backgrounds, from business backgrounds, from marketing backgrounds. I think we even had um, a, someone who had previously worked in the library as a librarian who was great and and made the shortlist, but didn't end up making the cut. Um, and so it was quite a diverse range of technical backgrounds as well for that role. Um, so Leanne has a bachelor of business um, and, um, and had done a similar sort of role, but not before, but not in architecture. Mm. So she came from the advertising world, uh, mm. and we thought that was a healthy thing to do to make sure we had someone on board to challenge our assumptions. Yeah.
1: Was um, when you were doing the business of small practice presentation, you talked about how Leanne um, is kind is is your Scrum manager.
2: in a lot of ways.
1: Can you just elaborate on that a little bit?
2: Well, that's something that's evolved since. So we didn't, I didn't even know what Scrum was back then. Um, uh,
0: But since we have kind of adopted more of a Scrum workflow. Can I um, uh, just butt in here for the people who don't, uh, who aren't familiar with Scrum, can you give us a two-second recap?
2: Yes, Scrum is a... um, a workflow methodology that sort of, that basically comes out of Silicon Valley. Um, I'm trying to remember, um, it sort of dates back, I think, to the 1990s. Jeff Sutherland and some other guy whose name I can't remember wrote this book, um, which basically take, you might've heard of things like Agile and Lean and all that sort of stuff. So Agile is like, is a manifesto. It's not like a way of doing things. It's just a way of thinking about things. And then Lean is about how you apply that to your work and then Scrum is kind of how you apply that to your work in a slightly different way. But it basically means um, working smarter and faster um, and um, sort of rather than planning out the rest of your year to within an inch of its life via a Gantt chart of some kind, which we know basically ceases to be true about three days (laughs) after it starts, um, it says just break it up into lots of small chunks Work out what you're gonna do in that one small chunk, get it done, and then move on to the next chunk, and then aim for more stuff to be done in the next chunk. Mm-hmm. And yep. so we have one-month sprints, which is part of the scrum workflow. And the scrum master is basically the person who whips everyone into shape.
1: <laughs> Sounds so, so relaxing. <laughs> your scrum master has a whip. Oh, um, just, yes. <laughs> I
0: should probably look into that. I like we to should see for a job can- at your studio.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Speaking of things we love here at In Detail, have I mentioned how much we love ArchiTeam, guys?
0: We love it too, and uh, I've got to say the uh, the online forum for me is the absolute um, best part of ArchiTeam. I love uh, how people are, are contributing and uh, letting their guard down, and, and it's a real insider's sort of uh, view on, uh, on what's happening in the architectural world. I think that actually, can for me, it contributes to the
2: overall role that Architeam has as this amazing incubator for small practice um, that allows small architecture businesses to emerge and grow and succeed. Thanks, Architeam.
1: Thanks, Architeam.
2: So technically, in the Scrum workflow, Erica and I are the, are the Scrum owners, which means we sort of set the vision. As in, these are the most, these are the priorities. These are the things that, you know, the business needs to focus on this month. Um, Leanne works on that stuff with us, but then it's Leanne's role to make sure that um, that thing, obviously, so it's our team's role to make sure that stuff gets done. And so once we sort of set the broad picture of what we're trying to do for the month, it's, you know, it's no longer our responsibility to kind of maintain authorship over that. It's our, you know, architectural team's, job to kind of get it done and to tell us how to help them. So we're kind of, you've heard of the terms of servant leaders. Yeah. Remember that? No, I not yep. heard of that. What's that? A leader's job is to be a servant to the people they lead rather than to tell them what, No, yep. you know, to, to micromanage them. It's to say, right, you tell me how I can help you do your job better. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're supposed to do. And then Leanne is the person who keeps it all running smoothly. Good. And so
1: the team would identify... I think you said blockages, and then Leanne would help resolve them. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's right. So we'd identify that, and we're and we're still doing that, and we're constantly evolving and like tweaking that process to make it work better for us. But um, it's great having like there are so many ways that a studio manager and Leanne is working three days a week, give or take, um, and most of that you know outside of COVID times is from the studio and some from home, um, and. So, she's got a flexibility to do you know, different things um, and there are so many different ways that she can insert into a process to, to lubricate that process. Um, invoicing is a fantastic example. You know, We still need to have oversight over the invoices, but she yep. produces all of the invoices, yep. I review them, she sends them all out, she chases them all up, she reconciles them in the bank accounts and, the, um, and in zero, like that whole process. Is now her responsibility, and I'm just there providing oversight, um, mm-hmm. resource management. So she sets up everything in stream time. Yeah. Um, all of the all of the sprint stuff she's producing, Erica's providing oversight over that, um, and I sort of tagging on that a bit as well, um, as Erica does with the invoices with me. And but it's Leanne's baby that she looks after, and and basically we're working for her to make that happen. Mm-hmm. It's
0: fantastic you are selling the shit out of it was I reckon I'm every time I talked about this I, I keep on living in this fantasy world where I have my own uh studio manager who, who I know <laughs> looks exactly the same way I know oh man it'd be so great it's I think so great resourcing that I think would be the biggest sort of next step up for us we've got a lot of our systems under control invoicing just Mwah. Chef's kiss, right?
1: So, so what did you said that? That, 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 was that it a
0: chef's kiss, was it? <laughs> that is, and that's how that, no, it's said, and it's not said.
2: Apparently,
1: in a previous I,
2: episode, which I'm like, I've I listened to not most episodes, on
0: myself in the podcast,
2: <sighs> apparently Mick mispronounced chef's kiss once and said French kiss, Kate. <laughs> She, she was trying oh, to say no, it's, I'm, a I'm talking, no, 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 it's a chef's kiss, Kate. I said chef's kiss, Kate, and then I might have said French kiss, Kate. Okay. Um, if someone could tell me which episode which that was Which episode in, is that? So we can just, like, have that as the other. A soundbite
1: which we our... now make into our intro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a ringtone. Get it on a T-shirt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Put it up on LinkedIn. Yeah. Send it out that's... to all the professional networks. We're going to do
2: <laughs> merchandise and that's what's going to be on it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what, right. sorry, what was that? I, I, I was
0: saying that no, no, I, I, I live in this uh, future um, vision sometimes about having this wonderful studio manager. Um, yeah. Now, let me ask you though, uh, Warwick, you well, in pandemic times, you've experimented with both having a studio manager in-house there by your side uh, and working remotely. Yes. That's how that went. And we have talked about that off air, haven't we? Mm. Um,
2: I think there are some of, in that sort of list of the mundane, the sensitive, the strategic, and the creative, um, some of that stuff can be done anywhere. Mm. And a lot of people running architecture studios would have an offsite bookkeeper helping them Mm. with expenses and invoices and all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff. So that would work fine. Um, however, the team-based stuff, um, it works at the moment fine because everyone is remote. Uh, and so every every month, for instance, when we're planning out the next month's activities, Erica and Leanne will hop on one-on-one Zooms with each of our team members to work out what their goals are for the month. Work's a dream. I reckon that would be a real problem if the only person who was, if everyone was in the studio and the only person not there was the scrum master or the studio mm. leader, manager, sorry, who is um, off-site because yeah. it's all, you know, yeah. you've all got to be kind of equals in that conversation. And I think if you're the one... Dialing in remotely, you're at a disadvantage, and you yeah. can't kind of get a sense of the room in the same way that you can when you're all there together, or if you're all there apart.
1: Um, was can I ask you another question about this? How many um, team members? Did, how many staff, architectural staff, did you have before you hit the technical? That is or a fan- the administrative button.
2: That is a fantastic question um, because I and we've had some we had some interesting experience retroactively just last year. Um, so when Leanne came on board, I think we were probably two. I think we might have had four staff, four architectural staff.
0: Is that including Erica and yourself?
2: No. It, um, yep. it might have yeah. only been three, um, but I'm pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure it was four, and um, it's that was. Kind of, so we were a team of six, Leanne made seven, and, and it stayed that way, even though one or two team members sort of left and others came on board, but it stayed about that size.
0: How big's your practice,
2: Kate?
1: Uh, three full-timers, including myself, and a couple of helping out subbies.
0: Yep. And you, Mick? You're five. Uh, we're six, including Tegan, but she's yeah. part-time. Uh, oh, well, um, there's... there's various people doing a day off here and there as well so if we we're, were doing the FTE uh full-time equivalent sort of assessment and I think we're four and a half or something like that but um
2: it's- the RFTE wouldn't have been much higher than that because we've always had a lot of part-time workers um okay. and so our FTE at the time um might have actually um actually I reckon I can look it up give me one second do you have a graph by any chance Mike? I have a spreadsheet hell yeah
1: Of course he does.
2: Of course I do. So 2018, February, yeah. So we (laughs) – this is a bit embarrassing. Um, (laughs) So –
1: one of these tabs isn't color-coded correctly. No, no, no. It's <laughs> embarrassing that I have this too at the level I do. I
2: know
0: you're, you're embarrassed how quickly you can put your hands it's on the <laughs> it's, it's too good.
2: Correct. It's too, yeah.
0: In the middle so, of a
1: podcast, he can just whip out his FTA equivalent from three years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. Dear listeners, I've just whipped out my FTA equivalent all over this podcast. What about the variance from the mean? You- <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: So in the month before Leanne joined us, we had 5.6 um, oh my God. full-time equivalent people. Wow. Wow. And that was Erica and I um, at almost full-time um, and we had um, a senior person three days a week and um, three sort of grad slash fresh, freshly
0: registered people at full-time. I wonder if there's an... Is there another equivalent? And this might sound rude to people who work for me. Block your ears, people. Uh, is there a... <laughs> Full-time equivalent of productive work being done?
2: We actually have another measure me- measurement. We've created an FTEA. Full-time equivalent. Architects. Architects. So we're basically, I mean, essentially we're trying to say how many architect hours are there or how many architect uh, days right. a week are there of yep. billable time. Uh, yeah. Yep. So you have to A, B... An architect, or or Leanne actually Leanne would count in this as well because she occasionally does billable like only about five percent of her workload would be billable when yeah. she's helping with consultants and things, which is incredibly valuable.
1: Oh yeah, that sounds um, great.
2: But it is you know that is project work. So basically, what percentage of your time of how many full time equivalent people that you have would be billable? That's the answer.
1: Yeah,
0: yep, yeah. Well, I was thinking a bit more. Um, I suppose metaphysically that you, you're looking at. Um, the number, say you were in our position in another practice and you're saying, okay, I, w- I want to go and put on a studio manager and I'm at 5.5 FTE. Yep. But if you are working with a senior team who can sit down and make decisions independently and, you know, get shit done, uh, their one day, a week, you know, say three days a week of a very senior person who can get a lot done might be worth to FTE. Of a grad,
2: yeah. Look, well, I mean, I think that speaks to a Sorry, broader Jeff, question. All time, grads, yeah. It, yep. yeah, except that grads can do stuff that the senior person can't do, both maybe from a technical perspective or from a, a cost basis perspective. Yeah, so that we need to, um, Kate's nothing giving us a signal to wrap it up because I it up, we've, 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 we're over. I that was your
0: Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I'm I think we've got a lot more to talk
2: topic. on this topic,
0: but... Um, I appreciate y'all. Day, I think. <laughs> I, I think, look, the only other thing on there is, uh, is the zone of genius, but I think we, we might need to wrap up zone of genius into another episode. I reckon the zone of genius could be a whole discussion,
2: and a whole central, podcast episode in itself. But
1: can you just identify what the zone of genius is before we go? And then we can... <laughs> no, Cliffhanger. Oh, oh us next
0: week. Oh, oh damn! As we reveal
2: <laughs> what you can easily Google for yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kate. Tell them where we can, where they can find us. No. 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 All right. I'm I love doing this.
2: You do it, Mick. You just like saying, hey, Warwick or hey, Kate, can you do hey, Kate, this? So that you, you
0: don't do, do it. You're onto me. That's how I, that's how <laughs> I get out of doing it. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us for In Detail, where we take you behind the scenes of creative business and we don't have any other tagline. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us at www.indetail.show and you can listen to us wherever you get your favourite podcasts, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We have a bit of Twitter on uh, at in detail show. Uh, we don't really do all that much on Twitter, but, um, you know, follow us. Um, you could find us on YouTube, but that's not true. Uh, that, that that ended a while ago. We should think about doing another YouTube special though, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when,
2: we, when we're in Venice. Oh, yes,
0: that'll be great. <laughs> um, and look, most importantly, we're brought to you uh, dear listeners, by our good friends at Streamtime and ArchiTeam, who are our sponsors for this season. Uh, so thanks very much to our sponsors.
1: Thanks, Streamtime and ArchiTeam.
0: Thanks, guys.